Paul, what is the worst animal superpower and why is the correct answer the Borneo Hills Ninja Slugs date rape spikes? <laughs> you know, I'm not even going to hazard a guess on that. is up my nerds welcome inside pop culture with fanboy and know-it-all i'm jake i am paul welcome back inside our crazy brains uh you're probably wondering what in the world the <laughs> how, borneo how did we go off the rails before we even officially began began the show right like, date rape spikes starting off a show with date rape spikes just probably not <laughs> You know, it doesn't sound like it has anything to do with pop culture until you watch Netflix's one of their newer original films starring Jamie Foxx and Joseph Gordon-Levitt, the new film Project Power that's in Netflix queues around the world right now. And once you've watched Project Power and then you've gotten inside our crazy brains wherein Paul and I decided Paul came up with the idea we should rank the worst animal superpowers ever. And so I was like, all right, let's do it. And then enter the Borneo Hills Ninja Slug. Borneo Hills Ninja Slug. Just the idea of ninja and slug together, it, it is compelling. Really, it is. I mean, it's a fantastic name, and I can't believe I hadn't crossed paths with the Borneo Hills Ninja Slug previously. You're going to get one as a pet. Well, You're going to go to Borneo, fly out to Borneo, Look for ninja slugs. Stay away from their spikes, whatever those may be. Take it home. And that's the tricky part that we'll get into when we start ranking these terrible animal superpowers. Um, Motivated by watching a superhero, another superhero movie that was released not on big screens, but in Netflix queues, Project Power. Uh, We we were like, "Let's, let's do some superhero stuff and then do this list. And so that... I mean, I you know what? I'm not one for hyperbole. I'm not one for drawing stuff out. So that's that's the show. And let's just move on. Like no more fluff about this stuff. Let's just talk about it. Project Power an R-rated superhero film dropping digitally amidst a global pandemic. It's not the new normal, but it is new. <laughs> it's not normal, but it is new. I hate the phrase the new normal because uh, it's not normal. It's just new and different. It's the new abnormal. So the new abnormal is Netflix releasing superhero films instead of them going to theaters. Though Netflix has moved in this direction to increase its content library anyways. It's been doing this for a good long while, actually. It just seems like they've ratcheted it up a little bit more. But man, it seems like as a movie reviewer, it gets more and more confusing, even before the the coronavirus epidemic started. 
trying to figure out what to cover. What do you need to see in the theaters? What is actually coming out on 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 these streaming services that you just have to see? Uh, we've seen in the, the last couple of Oscar runs, they've had some really fantastic movies that have landed primarily on their streaming sites that you just pretty much have to see if you want to be in the Oscar talk at all. So, right. yeah, it, it is definitely speeded up. And I know that we've talked about this before. It's going to be interesting to see if this... Even though you say this is the new abnormal, I do think that it could potentially shift into the new normal. I just, I just think that that these streaming services are onto something, and and we may be going out to to movie theaters to see big blockbuster movies. Still, I don't know if we're going to be seeing the the medium range movies as much in, in theaters anymore. Even a movie like Project Power, we might actually rather see it on the small screen than the big one. Yeah, and I watched this on a super tiny screen. I watched this on my cellular device. So I went even smaller than small. Cell phone, earbuds in, just chilling in my bed. And you know what? It worked. There was it it had some special effects, but it didn't feel like I was missing out on anything too crazy the way I might have felt about watching Tenet right. on a small screen. Right. And confusing enough as it was on a big screen. So small right. would have been totally trashed. Right. And it, it does, it does make you think that as these uh, streaming companies are making their own movies, they do have to adapt for the medium. Um, you know, they're, they're not, they don't have to shoot for the big IMAX the way Christopher Nolan wants to. They, they can design stuff for those smaller screen experiences so that they make sense to the home movie viewer. Uh, so, but we also know that there's this, tug and pull between the creatives and those who have the purse strings. So it'll be definitely be interesting to see how it continues to develop. We know that these streaming services were already moving this in this direction to differentiate themselves from each other and to make users feel like there was a reason that they're paying for this content. But uh, yeah, it it'll definitely continue to be, interesting to see which parts do stick around as the new normal and which ones fade yeah. into the abnormal. Yeah. But, it, it is interesting because what you're talking about, that, that new normal, when you're talking about the small screen experience and your very, very small screen experience, this is a movie that actually I would have thought typically, if you just know, you know, essentially the, the movie's tagline, you would think it would need to be seen on a big screen, right? It's a right. superhero movie. It has special effects. It has these cool, weird battle scenes that you have to pay attention to. Um, so the fact that, that it did translate so well on a small screen is interesting to me. Um, did you feel that the whole movie is essentially about these? Do you want to recap it? Maybe you can recap it better than I can. Sure. And, and, uh, you know, there might be some minor spoilers in our discussion as we move into our discussion of the film. Try not to give away any of the major things. There's nothing hugely major in terms of spoilers, but we are going to dive into some of the stuff around it. So if you like going in totally clean, then you might want to just skip ahead to our discussion about the worst animal superpowers to have. But yeah, just recapping Project Power is, you know, the city of New Orleans is all of a sudden awash with these weird and abnormal, possibly supernatural occurrences, people doing crazy things, 
such as right, running faster than cars or spontaneously combusting or going up in flames or taking bullets and turning invisible, turning invisible. And um, what we discover is that there's, or actually what is in the opening scene is that there is this pill that this drug that is being trafficked through the city of new Orleans as a test of some kind. And it grants five minutes of a superpower to that person who takes this drug. And so there's a, um, a teenage drug dealer and an undercover cop and an ex-military guy who become entangled with one another in the city of New Orleans as they're trying to track down this power, this drug that's being called power. Right, right. And the drug essentially taps into each person's DNA, right? You take the drug and it gives you sort of this latent animal DNA superpower that is reasonably, you know, unique to you. Like, like if you're a certain type of person prone to spontaneously combust, you're not going to be able to take a, a pill to make bones come out of your Right. Yeah, the conceit is that each of us has some has some sort of latent animal related superpower inside of us that power is unlocking. And right. it's the same and if once you figure out what yours is, uh it's the same every time you take it. Yeah. You yeah. get 5 minutes of it. Only get 5 minutes of it. But it's sort of set up it it, it is an interesting thing because it 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 blends sort of that superpower type of trope with this very gritty underworld drug dealing type of vibe, you know, this superpowers are not there. Essentially what you hear is that this, uh, this company is experimenting on, on the people who buy this drug to sort of refine it into, to sell it to people who can apparently pay more or something. So it has some undercurrents to um, social issues of the day, uh, it has some allusions to rumors that have often circulated in terms of people experimenting with with various street drugs, that type of thing. So it has some some interesting elements that that sort of push it beyond what you would typically see in a in a Marvel superhero movie or something. This has a it has a very different vibe than say uh, Doctor Strange. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's you know it's more man on fire meets Wolverine meets Training Day. Yeah, that's that's a pretty good comparison. <laughs> and and because of it, yeah, you, it, it's not your standard super. It's not a truly. It's not really a superhero film. It's a super power film. It's a it's a big pharma message anti big pharma message film. It's cultural commentary on power and the structural, but all of that while trying to make us believe Joseph Gordon-Levitt could be a hard-hitting undercover Louisiana, New Orleans cop. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, you know, and that brings us to the performances. This this was this would have been an interesting movie to fit on the big screen anyway, because it, it stars Jamie Foxx, who is a bona fide A-list star. Uh, I would not say that anybody else who's in here is is necessarily like a person who would draw you to the theaters. I think Fox Fox has gained Fox. a pretty respectable following. You know, he's he's proven his chops. 
Yes, Fox definitely is the A-lister here, but everybody else is sort of in a supporting role. There were a lot of people who I had not ever heard of. Right. Um, they did quite well in this. I thought that uh, I thought that the the woman who played uh, Robin was really great, Dominique Fishback. Uh, I thought that she was a really compelling character. Um, but it, it it would have been an interesting. This feels like sort of a mid level actioner if this was had been released not during the coronavirus. Um, something that would have made maybe forty million, fifty million dollars at at the most. Don't you think? Yeah, it doesn't end up having. It doesn't end up having the weight that it. I feel like you need to get become that next tier, that top tier action movie. You know the the performances by the top three are fine mm-hmm. and good and and good in places. I think even, um, but the rest of the cast, not only do you not recognize them, they're completely forgettable you know there's no memorable bad guy really none i yeah. mean that yeah. was insane between like three different bad guys and, and you don't have a chance to get to know any of them very well um you don't the their plot is just so it, it's it's so convoluted and and sort of mysterious that you don't even quite know exactly what their goals are um it's because almost though because it's so convoluted in its simplicity in a weird way yeah it's not like it's complex like tenet where it gets convoluted because there's so many strands twisting around yeah it's convoluted because they only kind of refer to it in airy passing terms like wouldn't it be great to topple a government yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> it almost feels like you're talking with, you know, a, a hard-boiled conspiracy theorist who hasn't necessarily thought through everything very well. Oh, it's those guys, they are bad. And then you have some sort of general thoughts on why they're bad, but it's not really connected to anything. It's just they're bad. And then they it's it's just it, it gets a little bit strange, you know? Right. I think that a movie like this really needs a good, compelling, strong bad guy, especially when you're going up against someone like Jamie Foxx. You know, to be honest with you, Jake, for a lot of the movie, I kind of thought that Jamie Foxx was the bad guy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, not that the movie set it up that way, but man, this guy does some terrible, terrible things. Well, he does some terrible, terrible things. And the movie even flirts with that idea after, to your point, not after completely and only setting him up to be the good guy, all of a sudden somewhere, you know, two thirds of the way through the movie, it seems to like really lean in really hard for a minute on he's a bad guy. He could be a bad guy. He could be like out of nowhere and then completely leans away from it and never been. And then he's completely a good guy for the rest of it. And so it ends up feeling a little disjointed in that way. Yeah. Yeah. His character was, I mean, Jamie Foxx is a really likable actor and, and I was bought in, you know, his first, his first 20 minutes on screen, you, you kind of like the guy. And then he starts um, twisting the arm of, of this Robin character, telling her that he's going to kill his mom or, or aunt or it, it seems that's not quite cool. He kidnaps her. He, he does some awful things to, you know, and obviously it's all for, a good guy cause, but 
he is willing to go to some really terrible lengths to get to this final point, including killing, I think, about 500 people in the course of this movie. Just at least at least 430. Yeah, exactly. At least. I might be overestimating just slightly. <laughs> um, but, but to that point, you're right in that the movie itself doesn't seem to know what it wants to do with any of the characters. And yet here's here's the fascinating thing i would rewatch this movie before i would rewatch the old guard would you that we talked about recently yeah because I, I felt like the old guard was a more competently told story tighter moved along you figured it out you knew what was going on and and it was more technically proficient but for me, I think hearkening back to what you said about Tenet, the old guard left me cold. I couldn't find any heart in it, nobody to root for, nobody I cared about, nobody I really liked. And in Project Power, although it was disjointed in many ways and there were things that, you know, there's no true threat to that ever made itself known in a meaningful way. And yet I really enjoyed the heart of the film that the three kind of three primary characters brought and just found myself being um, because of that being much having a much easier time disconnecting from all the kind of light, all the, all the problems I have with the film and just saying, I'm enjoying this. I'm enjoying Jamie Foxx and this, this young girl, you know, rapper, drug dealer. I'm just having a good time. I would rewatch this movie. <laughs> You know, I, I think that you are on to something there. I think that, uh, and, and part of that has to do with just the likability of the main characters. Like I yeah. say, Jamie Foxx is, he is a pretty compelling actor. And in a lot of this movie, he's pretty likable when he's not killing 500 people. Yeah. When he's not threatening, you know, sick old guardians to, you know, with death. Yeah. Um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is is really likable. He has some funny scenes in this. You have, you do have, and you have that nice father-daughter-like connection uh, between Jamie Foxx's character, Art, and Robin, um, who become closer and closer as time goes on. And that, that there does seem to be a lot of bona fide heart in that relation, relationship that you don't find in The Old Guard. Even though The Old Guard, I think, is, is a much superior movie, and I personally liked it better. Um, but I do think that you're onto something here. When I was watching it, I'll, I'll, I will just say that, that I was not a huge fan of Project Power. It was, it just, I thought it was watchable. It was fine. Didn't, didn't really blow my socks off. But as I was watching it, my wife came down and she started watching it and she thought it was really interesting. So as we were watching it, my son, who hates all superhero movies, has <laughs> moral problems against all superhero movies, he watched 10 minutes of this and said, ah, this looks pretty interesting. So I, I think that there is sort of something baked into this that, that'll, that resonates with people, I think, more than it resonated with me. Yeah. Well, and I'll say, even after the ending, and I won't get into the specifics of the ending, I thought the ending was pretty garbage it didn't it didn't make any <laughs> no, no. All, all of it there was it just weirdly some weird thing happens 
deus ex machina like and it doesn't act in a consistent way with how it even acts in the scene the superpower that gets unleashed effect that you know mysteriously doesn't affect certain people but does other people even though it should have affected these other people and then oh all of a sudden everything's fine and we're moving on and yeah yeah but everything might not be fine for it it was it just felt so rushed and nonsensical that i sat there like this is a really bad ending they did a poor job with this ending yeah. and yet i was still thought i would rewatch most of this movie i'd just turn it off before the end <laughs> so here was another problem that i had with this movie and maybe i'm just not enough of a zoologist to know all the superpowers here are supposed to be based off of animals, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the conceit. They were pulling stuff from the DNA from these animals. And yet there were a lot of superpowers that I don't know of any animals doing. Like, I know that, that like mythical salamanders could burst into flames, but I am not aware of any actual animal animals that can do that. Right. I'm not aware of any animals that can grow into these Hulk-sized, gargantuan, lumbering, juggernaut creatures, you know, except just very, very slowly, you know. Hippopotamuses, I guess you could argue, do that, but only from little tiny baby hippopotamuses to full-grown hippopotamuses, you know. So it felt like there were, there was a lot of, uh poetic license artistic license on finding exactly what what animal superpowers would work on screen some of them worked some of them really did not right well they worked as superpowers just not in the conceit of the film as this is animal related right and and that's exactly right and a bummer when you actually start looking into what kind of animals have weird abilities and you realize how many cool things they could have done Oh, they could have done so many cool things. Yeah. But no. And so for them to to just kind of go into some of these classic tropes of, well, this person's on fire and this person is frozen and this person can freeze things and this person can be on fire and Yeah, it's it it felt like a, a cut rate X-Men in some ways, in terms of like the superpowers that you, you find them taking on, you know? And yeah. I liked I liked the conceit of of, of each person having their own built-in superpower. But again, it, it felt inconsistent. It felt, eh, it just didn't work for me. Right. Well, cause on some of them, Oh, go ahead. And the poor woman who froze to death in the little compartment. Is that like one of the worst superpowers ever? <laughs> right. Yeah. That, that one clearly wasn't even a power. It was just, it was just death. It death. was just death. Which they had, they had established that for some people it caused these horrific, you know, their superpowers. And I'll get into this on my list. There are some horrible animal superpowers that you really wouldn't want to get. And there's at least one or two on my list that would fit with these reactions, or at least closely with some of the reactions that people have where they die when they take uh, power rather than have a cool superpower. But to your point, it was weird, like, it was weird that they really leaned into the animal-like thing with Joseph Gordon-Levitt where, you know, they tried to show the scales, his skin turned to scales that would become like, or like armadillo scales that would become like an armor armor for him against bullet wounds and things like that. All right. They really leaned into the animalia on that, 
but then on others they just seem to completely ignore it and let's just turn this guy into a gargantuan nuclear hulk thing you know it does make me wonder what the first draft of this screenplay looked like because maybe it could have been much cooler and then someone within the studio process sort of said oh no you don't want to have this particular superpower that's that's lame yeah have this guy catch on fire that'll be so much more cinematic that looks great on screen right exactly yeah i i do wonder because they they could have done some really odd quirky fun things with the animal superpower conceit uh but i can also see how the people with the purse strings would think I'm not really vibing with that. How about this guy just turns into fire? That looks great. I love that. <laughs> and, and, you know, you take that for granted when there are the movies or TV shows that are allowed to go there. You know, I think about even just some of the lines into something like a, um, in just certain movies like, uh, Oh, what was it? The one Swiss army man where Daniel Radcliffe is a corpse. Yes. Yes, I know what you're you know, talking. It's like now personally I that was not my movie, but you appreciated the fact that they just really went for this insane conceit right with the plot. Exactly. About this dead body that can do anything and everything for this guy, you know, in the survival situation. Like I couldn't I couldn't make it all the way through the movie myself. It was but I really appreciated that they went for it. And that therein is the that tricky line that studio executives and creatives are having to walk of, Oh boy, I really appreciate how creative that was, but also we need people to watch this movie and not turn it off. (laughs) And that's the thing. I mean, when you're talking about a two hour movie, people are just going to sit down there. They're eating their dinners. They're drinking their pop. They're just doing their thing. I don't know how many average moviegoers are going to be that that concerned with a lot of consistency. They just want something fun and easy to watch. And this sort of qualifies. Yeah. If you I, don't want to think it's right there and it's going to, you're going to enjoy it. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, there you go. It's one that I'll say, I, I feel like I haven't come back to this point in a long time, but I would have enjoyed to see maybe a six or eight episode mini standalone mini series on this. Um to see that, to see them sort of explore the mystery of what you know, like it's from this detective crime uh, angle, drug angle, to say you know, exploring what are all these crazy things happening in New Orleans and uncovering the pieces, and then the weird animal superpowers like that could have been really fun, but you know, it would have taken more involvement from your average viewer who probably just wanted to see some things blow up. You know what I think would have improved this movie, actually? Turning it into an episodic half-hour sitcom. I think really good. It could have been more consistent with the animal tropes. Uh It could have been still fun and exciting. You would have had Jamie Foxx doing his humor thing, Joseph Gordon-Levitt doing his humor. It would have been been a hoot. But you know what? To that point, this would have worked amazingly as an episode of Rick and Morty. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i get that i that, get that. that could have landed and that could have been about all you need in one episode of rick and morty <laughs> so there you have it project power it's on netflix paul what scale of one to ten where do you drop this one 
I give it a really solid, enthusiastic five. Yeah. Mine is a more enthusiastic six. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's watchable. It's fine. It was, if you're looking to kill two hours and you don't mind R-rated superhero movies, there are definitely worse R-rated superhero movies to watch. Absolutely. You know, it, it avoids it avoids the sexual content that clutters up many of the R-rated movie fare um, and, and mostly just sticks to, to superhero violence with a smattering of language. There's your content caveat. Content caveat. With Paul Acey. With Paul. Like, it was not Paul Acey. But uh, inspired by Project Power, we wanted to rank the worst animal superpowers one could possibly be saddled with if you happen to come across a drug called power and wanted to take it. So without further ado, it's time for Rank Geeks. Here we are in Rank Geeks. Paul and I have five pills of power each ready to to take them and see if they'll turn us into one of these terrible animals with their terrible superpowers. There yeah. you have it, Paul. Yes, there you go. Do you have, That's do you have a, any a, extra explanation for your own list? I, I have I have no extra explanation for this. I mean, I think that, that it is wildly inconsistent. Uh, and I chose some things for different reasons than being the absolute worst. But I think that's a pretty good setup. And and I have one. I think you might have taken my number five pill, actually. Right. And well, I don't like I've already taken this pill. You think I think you might have already taken this pill. Only and the only reason I say that is is not because of anything that I've noticed, but you often say we're a bunch of smelly nerds. Mm. Number five, the striped polecat, otherwise known as the Zorilla. It is, smells like a skunk on steroids, is what I'm told. It uh, exudes a, a, an unpleasant odor that can be smelled from half a mile away. Half this, a mile away. Half like a mile all the time, away. or it can control when it exudes this odor? It, it's just like a skunk. It looks like a big old skunk, in a way, yeah. just bigger. And yeah. it has a bigger smell than a skunk. It's not quite as cute. It looks like it could eat you, potentially, but... For those that might want to eat it, it has this smell in reserve. It is, and I love the name, Zorilla. Zorilla. I have to say that the name was one of the reasons why I put it on my list. You can't go wrong with a name like Zorilla. Or a terrible superpower where you just smell awful. Yeah, don't you think that would be a terrible superpower? I mean, any, yeah. any superpower that involves you smelling bad, I think it just it just doesn't work for me. This is not as this is not a superpower that I would want. I would feel really, really terrible about using it. Right. Wasn't, wasn't one of the ones what 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 would what good would it do you? It doesn't help you rob banks. Right. Does it? I just don't think so. Yeah, it's straight out of Mystery Men. You know that nineteen ninety nine superhero movie with Ben Stiller? Yeah, didn't see it. Ah, yeah. Well it's it's something somebody like that would have. All right. Number five for me is none other than the hippopotamus now the hippopotamus you got to think they have a lot of things you would like they can be really fast on both you know and they swim really well and they're huge and strong 
and vicious. Yeah. Massive mouth. You know, one of the deadliest creatures in the world, especially in the African savanna. Yeah. You'd think you'd want to be a hippo. But their superpower is a blood sweat sunscreen. And I'm just saying, if you popped a project power pill expecting to, you know, spontaneously combust or to have like bone spikes like Wolverine or bulletproof skin, and all of a sudden you just started sweating an oily blood-like substance that would keep your skin from becoming burned by the sun, (laughs) that would be super disappointing and terrible. Yeah, I think any superpower that you can get the equivalent superpower by going to Walgreens and buying a tub tube of something for like six dollars right i think that's a bad superpower right you know it, it it might be helpful in a few situations but it's it's not uh getting you into the justice league anytime soon no <laughs> yeah no sweating sunscreen not great plus plus it would just leave you with that oily film yeah that and it, it's red so then you know you just look bad. you look sunburned even though you're not sunburned yeah, it soaks through your clothes. You have to buy new clothes because I'm sure that your oily sweat doesn't work very well with your clothes. It just sounds terrible. No, not great. Not great. All right, Paul, number four. Number four. This is where we get into my insect realm. All I right. do have a few insects on here. Uh, this one uh, I, I thought was very intriguing. Really awesome superpower other than the fact that it kills the user. Oh. And I'm talking about the, the famed exploding ants. Mm. There are ants that, that are out there. And obviously ants hang out with a lot of other ants. So there's like thousands upon thousands of ants. So if one ant dies, it's not going to be a big loss for the community. This particular ant has developed this skill where if it's attacked by some sort of predator, hopefully a smallish predator, its head blows up. The head just explodes. It throws out this gluey, sticky substance that theoretically sort of gums up all the works for the predator. And so all the other ants that have not exploded, they can attack the uh, the, the invader. Um, very cool if you didn't die during the use of it. I think that this would be a very terrible, terrible superpower for a lot of different reasons. I mean... And what would set it off? Like if you're at a dinner party, if someone insults you or makes an aggressive move toward you, does that mean that your head could explode and mess up the entire dinner party? I think that sounds terrible. Yeah. Um, It's a good pick because the suicidal ant of Malaysia and Brunei, sorry, landed on my list as well because – you know, it is. it would be, again, super lame to take that drug and then realize that as soon as I flex my abs and I'm going to ex- blow up my own face and be dead after I shoot out some glue on somebody. It's and like again, the world's worst setup ever. Yeah, yeah. It, it seems it seems very problematic. And, and again, it's one of those things where there are easier ways to get glue, for sure. Just go... To your local drugstore, pick up some Elmers, squirt it in somebody's face if you really want to, you know, get him get rid of him that way. Yeah, and it's one of those really unfortunate design flaws that you got to think if, what, why, you know, 
I'm not going to get into evolution and all that here, but it just seems like a crazy design flaw that, you know, uh, an ant would evolve to shoot it out. It's explode its skull rather than you know, a, a bottom hole, perhaps. <laughs> a, a bottom hole. <laughs> At least you're alive, you know? But like, yeah, the head's going to just, and uh, glue. It'd be another thing if it was like a toxic sludge that just melted. Yeah. It, that's, at least it looks cool. Yeah. But it's like, oh, I'm, I'm stuck. Bummer. Yeah. It, it does seem like you go out a hero, but it's a, it's a faulty hero for sure. Yeah. All right, Paul. Number, since you, that was my number four as well. Yeah. I, I feel really bad about that. But number three for me is the trap jaw ant. I hope this didn't land on your list as well. No, um, I only had the one ant. This uh, this is an actual pretty cool ant, and it has a very cool superpower, except that what it can do, essentially, is it can launch itself up to 15 inches away, which, for an ant, is a lot of distance. It would be there the equivalent of, of one of us jumping 100 feet, which would win any sort of Olympic competition and jumping you can possibly Sounds like a great superpower. It does. But the thing is... To use this superpower, the trap jaw ant just has to shut its mouth really, really quickly. It shuts its mouth at in between 75 to 140 miles an hour. So it chomps on something and it flies back. Essentially, it would be as if if we took a bite of a cupcake really hard because we were really enthusiastic about the cupcake. And all of a sudden, it sent us through the picture window in the living room. Yeah, It seems like... A great superpower with some accidental misuses. And even to use it correctly, I don't know how cool you can look using your superpower by just snapping your jaw shut. That just doesn't seem like it's a very cool look. Right. It's bad. Yeah. It, it, it's not particularly suave, and it does lend itself to a lot of really inopportune dinner time. Yeah. Accidents. Yeah. And if someone happens to be standing behind you, a lot of concussions. <laughs> it just seems like it would be, yeah, it would be bad. Um, I, I just, I just can't see, I can see some good uses for it, but the fact also that you fly through the air backwards. Right. Probably, yeah. Harder to control that if you hard. don't have eyes on the back of your head. Yeah. It would be great for football games, potentially. I mean, if you, caught a caught a football you know mm-hmm. if you caught it back mm-hmm. you turned backwards and then you just bit down really quickly you could zoom just fly through the air and land in the end zone on the other end but beyond that i just don't see a lot of utilization for it not very practical number three on my list is the turritopsis jellyfish Ooh, it's often referred to as the immortal jellyfish because in theory if it were not for predators it could potentially live forever because its superpower is that it can reverse age itself like benjamin button (laughs) however it's not just 
and which sounds all right. You could keep yourself young, you know, keep yourself just every every time you hit 36, you just age yourself back to 35. That's not bad. Or maybe it's 26 back to 25. But no, that's not what happens when the Turritopsis jellyfish feels threatened by a predator or environmental catastrophe. It activates its reverse aging function and returns all the way back to its embryonic stage. <laughs> Where it cannot move, it cannot defend itself, and it just sits there on the ocean floor until it grows back into being an adult again. And just the thing about the idea that, oh, I'm being threatened by something, I'm going to resort to the most vulnerable stage of my existence ever. <laughs> and hope I survive. <laughs> That's pretty awesome, actually. I, I love that. See, as I get older, reverting back to my embryonic state, it has some appeal. But I would agree that the idea of of being floating around helpless, like if all of a sudden I decided to, to right after this podcast, right. revert back to my original embryonic state, right. I would be worried that other people in this household would just mistake me for trash and like poopy trash at that and yeah. me up. And that would not be very pleasant. No. It would certainly um, destroy my superpower. It wouldn't be very super, that's for sure. It wouldn't be very useful. <laughs> yeah. And it certainly isn't very good for, for crime fighting. You know, no. if you're trying to fight crime, it would be really terrible. Or even commit crime. It would be very bad. Yeah. It's like, quick, let's get away. All right. I'm going to reverse age until I'm an embryo. Not like run. Yeah, the only way that it would really um, benefit you is if you were very, very, very interested in seeing the 123rd Marvel movie made. Yeah. Then then I can see some practicality for it. But... Get yourself a bank vault, pop that power, <laughs> just chill out for a couple of decades. A couple of decades, you're good to go. All right, number two, Paul. Number two. Another insect, and another one that sort of falls under the category of kind of cool superpower potentially, but really awkward usage. Um, that would be the water boatman. This is an insect. It is 2.3 millimeters long. It can make a sound that equates to 100 decibels. That's about the volume of a motorcycle. Yeah. For an insect that small, like ounce for ounce, pound for pound, it is the loudest animal in the world. Hmm. But here's the thing. It's it's a mating call, number one. And I've heard it also referred to as the singing penis bug. It makes this sound you have my attention. <laughs> with with an organ that it uses for procreation and it rubs this organ against part of its body to emit this very very loud sound now technically it's not from what i understand it's not technically the most private organ that we can think of on a male body but it is a grasping organ that that is used in sort of the mating thing so it is you know this is this is this is an awkward organ to use to make a lot of noise. Right. 
if it translated in Project Power way, it definitely would be, you know, certain certain private parts that you could not really, you don't want necessarily exposed, and you certainly don't want making a lot of noise. Right. I I think and also that, just not very useful. Like, oh, you just wait till I start rubbing myself, and then your ears are gonna be mildly irritated. If it's super loud, though, it could deafen criminals, right? But you would just be so embarrassed to actually deafen those criminals in the way that you would have to. It just seems it just seems all awkward. I'm did, a, that, did that guy bring a shake weight to a superhero fight? That's no shake weight. You best you better wait till you see what my boy can do when he turns around and rubs his reproductive organ. You won't even know how loud it is. You'll be so confused. You'll be like, how does your reproductive organ come with a speaker? Does, does it feel like these podcasts are just getting more and more questionable all the time? Hey, we said that in the most safe for work way we could have. We really, we really did. We tried to be good about it. But... You brought up a bu- you brought up a bug with a penis trumpet. And... <laughs> it had to make my list because that's a really interesting but terrible superpower it had yeah. to i mean just think of it trying to actually reproduce all of it's, <laughs> all of it's like all no, of it's, no, it's, it's trying to reproduce with its wife and it's like honey can you keep it down the kids are sleeping no it's only i'm sorry i'm sorry when i grasp the organ it just it just <laughs> screams like a motorcycle no it's fine it's fine when you're using it with other bugs it's just when you're using it with yourself oh it's even better it's a it's a built-in masturbation alarm that's exactly right this is straight up this is this is safe for the whole family this is a you know yeah we were talking about an uncomfortable subject but every parent is going to get their kids one of these (laughs) you will always know always always and then you'll realize i didn't want to know we should I move on as quickly as we can. <laughs> Number two for me, sea cucumbers. Sea cucumbers. Sea cucumbers have the superpower of ejecting their internal organs. <laughs> that is really a terrible, terrible, terrible superpower. Yeah. Now, you know, the good superpower on the flip side of that bad superpower is that they can regrow them, which... <laughs> So what did they, why do they inject their, eject their organs? I don't know. It doesn't, these articles weren't really that interested in giving me all the details on why. Uh, (laughs) I don't don't understand the purpose. That seems like. The purpose, the purpose is it's other superpower on top of all this is that it can essentially liquefy its own body to get into really tiny spaces. Oh. So eject the organs liquefy the body hide for a little while till you can regrow your internal organs yeah because your internal organs they're just dead weight when you're trying to get into secret spaces right exactly. when you got to liquefy the rest of your body you know you got to get rid of the you got you to get rid of this fluff inside chuck that lung chuck that pancreas you don't need that stuff to get into this tight space you can grow another one right so you know for all the all the superheroes who can become super skinny and fit through stuff, you know, Rubber Man and Elastigirl and Mr. Fantastic, they don't have to. Their their internal organs just stretch and bend with them, right? They've just, but the sea cucumber is like, oh, sorry, guys, got to 
hold on, I gotta just eject my guts. <laughs> and again, again, I'm just thinking about this in a superhero context, especially the Project Power context, where it's you're in the middle, about to go down in this fight, and you're like, "All right, Project Power, hit, hit, pop that power pill," and then you just all of a sudden all your guts rupture out of your belly and <laughs> flop onto the ground like a ton, uh, you know the. There's a tauntaun that Luke, you know, slight exactly, exactly, and that's your superpower. Yeah, or the or the inside out monkey from uh, Fly. Yeah, it does really sound terrible. And you would have to hope, since these superpowers only last for five minutes in Project Power, you would have to hope that those organs grow back really, really quickly. Right. Otherwise, that's a super awkward ending. Just right. really terrible. Yeah. So there you go. Number two for me. Number one on your list, Paul. Number one, drum roll, please. Spotted hyenas. Spotted hyenas. This is an interesting superpower, but it does seem like it has um, low value in a project power sort of scenario. They can literally eat anything. Anything. They can eat cans. They can eat fences. They can eat putrid stuff that would kill most other things and be just fine. Um, they can eat a third of their body weight in one meal. And the reason why it landed on the top of my list is not so much because of the power itself, but because an honest-to-goodness superhero actually has this power. What? Kid you not. His name is Matter Eater Lad. <laughs> <laughs> so he... He solves crime, apparently, by eating through, you know, if he's captured, he can eat through the bars. If he's stuck somewhere, he can eat through the ground and dig his way out, maybe. I don't know. He can He can just eat a lot of stuff. And to top it off, Jake, I yeah. want to guess his home planet, his planet of origin. Gastronomius. That's a good guess, but no. Bismol. <laughs> as in pepto bismol bismol in the galaxy pepto yes it is a it is a pink planet and he can do that so spotted hyenas and matter eater lad make number one on my list all right number one on my list is the borneo hills ninja slug aka the ibicus ratchele to you fancy folks <laughs> i previewed this at the top of the show the Borneo Hills Ninja Slug is actually a semi-slug because it has a shell, but it's too small to retract itself into the shell. And it was discovered in the mountain forest, in a mountain forest in Sabah, Malaysia. And um, it has the ability to shoot calcium carbonate love darts into potential mates. The darts are tipped with hormones that are specially designed to get their targets into the mood for love with the hope that they'll forget they were just shot with a spike <laughs> and thereby hopefully increasing their chances for successful reproduction. And uh, they call that the article I found this in was calling it love darts. I'm like, those are straight up date rape spikes. It's true. This slug is just crawling around. See the dude slug is crawling around looking for the ladies. He sees a lady that he wants to sleep with and he shoots a dart, a date rape dart into her yeah. to try to convince her to have sex with him. There, and there, that is a horrible, horrible superpower. That is, 
definitely not a lot of consent in that dating scenario. Yeah. Seems it seems problematic to say the least. Um yeah, let's cue that segment music. <laughs> are the most least important thing the way we love to wrap up every single little show of ours to leave you with some nuggets of weird awesome and crazy in the midst of our pop culture you know fracas if you will fracas that's a nice word not sure if it's used correctly but very nice we're gonna go with it paul what do you have for us today all right so this is a this was an interesting little study actually it was a poll done by i believe um this this outlet called radio world no radio times radio times i don't know how much uh doctor who you've watched jake exactly zero episodes exactly zero episodes this is something that really for geeks like us we should know doctor who inside and out and i am sort of familiar with doctor who but my favorite doctor by far was the 1970s Tom Baker version, the one with the really long scarf. He was the fourth doctor, just to let you know, Jake. Mm. Radio Times actually did a study on the number, the the most popular doctors. There have been 13 of them now. And the top vote getter in this particular poll was David Tennant, uh, the 10th doctor, who was doctor from t- 2005 to 2010. Followed up by Jodie Whittaker, who is the present doctor, and um, Peter Capaldi, who is the 12th doctor, the old doctor, who is really cool. My favorite, Tom Baker, he doesn't show up until number five. Mm. So that's it. David Tennant is the number one doctor of all time. Now, and space. And space. An interesting little bit of trivia. Peter Davidson, who was the fifth doctor, finished dead last. He only got 1% of the vote um, for favorite doctor. But the interesting thing is, is he is actually the father-in-law of the winner, the real-life father-in-law. Oh, wow. Tenet. So go figure. That really is a most least important thing. It really is. <laughs> it has consequences for time and space, and yet is totally inconsequential. That's right. There you have it. For me... I just got a little bone to pick, but also some exciting news. It's it's a little bit of both in the same little piece. Uh, the the exciting news is the Mandalorian season two confirmed coming coming to Disney Plus near you. An exciting thing, uh, but it brought up like a little irritating nitpick that I had with the advertising when the trailers launching on all these. TV screens as people are watching sports now that they've come back um, where it just at the end of the trailer. Oh my gosh, here's the Mandalorian trailer. This is what we've been waiting for. It's out in the wild finally. And then at the end, it just says new episodes coming soon. Oh, so we have no idea when they're actually being pushed to the actual service. Not if you watch the ad that they, you know, put on TV which they had to pay a lot of money for. Now, if you go online and do some digging, you can find out that it's coming on October 
30th of 2020. So that's good. It's really? coming out soon. Wow. That's not too far away, right? October 30th, 2020. Yeah. I now I've got Halloween plans. We've got our we've got our uh, no, early November podcast planned as well. That's right. But it is maddening for me as a digital marketer or just as a marketer in general that somebody like Disney has the audacity to release this commercial and not even tell you when the stuff is coming. Like how much money did they pay to just say, eh, it's coming soon. Uh, it'll be here eventually. You know, I hate to tell you this, Jake, but I do think Disney may know more about marketing than you do. You would think, but that was a straight up fail. <laughs> Let's say it's me. It's a good, tra- that's what I mean. It's a, it's such a, in, after a, what I thought was a pretty effective trailer. I don't know if you've seen it yet, Paul. I have not seen it. No. So for those of you who haven't seen it yet, go watch it. It's a, it's a fun little, little trailer, but for it to just say, well, it'll stream sometime. Well, you'll find it eventually. Let me offer a, a scenario. Perhaps they were thinking about podcasters who would get annoyed at the coming soon thing and say, yeah, go, go watch the trailer. And then, oh yeah, if you want to dig around on like sites, you, we can we can raise the hits on some of our sites that actually tell the date. You uh-huh. know? I, I'm just saying it could be it could be the nefarious plan of the Mouse House to do exactly that. Uh, to be to bank on hyper intelligent entertainment consumers such as myself who are willing to go the extra mile and dig in deep. Not, they they weren't banking all of the lazy bums watching TV. They're banking on the smarties like me. That, yeah, that's exactly right. Actually, I think. All right, Disney, you're genius. I think they were using just- smart guys like me. Oh, <laughs> uh, I should have never doubted you. Podcasters who make a lot of noise, just like water boatmen. That's all I'm saying. Oh, coming back to the penis trumpet. No, okay. Ah. <laughs> uh, all right, that's it. It's dinner time. <laughs> Paul and I are out. That's it for this episode of Pop Culture with Fanboy and Know-It-All. If you enjoy visiting with our crazy brains every other week or so, that you should consider leaving us a review on iTunes or Spot, you know, wherever you listen. And if that has the ability to allow you to re- leave a review, we'd really appreciate it because then other people can come join all of us in our crazy brains and that'd be a lot of fun. It would be. And tell us about your, what you think would be the worst, the lamest, animal superpower if you want to yeah just hit us up on on twitter as jake says hit That's us up right. on twitter i'm at jake underscore roberson i'm at easy paul and you know what if you wanted to leave and explain your worst animal superpower in like an itunes review that would be pretty hilarious to the a potential listener trying to figure out whether or not they wanted to queue up the show for the first time i feel like they'd be very confused so if you <laughs> feel so inclined to leave some people confused that'd be awesome too as if the guest doesn't confuse enough people. That's right. But until next time, I'm Jake. I am Paul. We'll catch you guys on the flip side. Bye. kids the kids were watching boss baby and the kids parents and boss baby sing him a lullaby at night that's part of their bedtime routine 
And so the parents start singing, and the mom's like, Blackbird singing in the dead of night. And they're singing this to the kid, and the kid starts singing, and I'm digging the harmony. I'm like, this is a great song. I'm digging it. And then my wife, Suzanne, is, you know, it's a Beatles song, right? (laughs) I did not know that's a Beatles song. And uh, I bet if I – so I went and looked it up to confirm my theory, and I, I heard that first line. I was like, I hate it. I do not like the Beatles version. Do you have something just against Paul McCartney? I, oh, you know what? I think it is because I didn't. One of my least favorite and most hated Christmas songs of all time. I never knew who did it for years. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! Wonderful Christmas time or whatever. Oh, I loathe that song. And we have <sighs> wonderful Christmas time. So I think I think his voice just does not register pleasantly with my eardrums. It's really alarming. I love that version of Blackbird. I think that's gorgeous. That's a fantastic version. Nothing else can compare. I will say the Ray Charles version of Yesterday kills. Yeah. And the Beatles version should have stayed buried after he got killed by the Ray Charles version. Oh, my goodness. This, this says so much about you, Jake. It says so much about you. I think I'm I'm getting if I had you on the couch <laughs> I think that your Beatles hatred combined with your 2001 aversion combined with some of the other things I know about you it's it's mooshing into truly an interesting psychological profile that explains what exactly is wrong with you I'm not there yet but another year and a half of podcasts I think I'll get there yeah and then you should write it up like a crack.com article <laughs> I would love to see your crack.com version of a psychological profile on me. That that would just be peak. I I would love that. Maybe maybe for your birthday I'll do it. That would be fantastic. Okay. All right. See, that's what I mean. We haven't even gotten to the show and I got you talking about I something. Know. I know. It's a shameful about how terrible the Beatles are at singing their own songs. They're so good. They're so good. Obviously, it means that they have a songwriting thing yeah, going for them. They know how to write really crappy voices. So it, it's interesting that you mentioned this because I was reading the Rolling Stones book of, and I know we actually have to do a podcast, but I was reading the, uh, the Rolling Stones book of the 500 greatest albums of all time. I think the Beatles were like, they had four or five of the top 10. I mean, they're pretty all right. More than who yeah. says this. I I know it's true, and that's why it's such a fire but meaningless hot take of my own. <laughs> because I know I stand pretty much alone in it. <laughs> my dad's you know not a Beatles fan either, but he has terrible musical taste. So yeah. that that's two peas, a, two peas in a pod, me and your dad. Yep, exactly. 